Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, Hello. all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Ray, and of course Robert's here as well. I am still a zombie from Sunday, so don't mind me. Excellent. So in addition to all the zombie and ghoulish treats that we have this early October, uh, Getting into October, we're the last weekend of September here. Uh, we've got three great events to talk about this past weekend of wide variety of styles and locations. But um, first, um, how are you guys making with hobby progress through your uh, Votan boxes? <laughs> I've only read the book. That's more than most players. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, my uh, last week of college. Something like 20% of the students are looking at their syllabus for the first time during finals <laughs> well i know a certain madman <coughs> ray walked out with a second box on sunday Funny. Yeah. well you know it, it, that's it's a tall order fun a short when, um, you basically mm. hoard something from an old hobby and then come to find out that uh yeah it's enough it's worth enough trading in at, at a store to walk out with a box for free interesting Mm-hmm. Yep, I got to watch it all too in my half-dazed stupor of getting punched in the face by blood angels. So, but we're not hard, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, you guys actually made it to an RTT on Sunday, or was it? I yeah, Sunday or right? around the end of it. Yeah, I was able to, and Ray was. I assume, yeah. So he did not get to play. Yeah, not a winning strategy, but still good to make it. <laughs> um. I mean, I, I can cover the one experience. Uh, creations of Vile hurt a lot. Yes, yes, they do. I had them in round one. I only scored 50 points. I still won the round, but holy crap, I only got 50 points. Were they able to knock you off primary, or what was going on? Um, Round two, we got stuck in combat with a demon print, with a demon prince, a lord discordant, and a unit of chosen, but on my turn three, though, I did, in fact, kill Abaddon. Wow, that's pretty nutty. Okay. Yeah, because he he forgot to walk up his legionnaires to continue body blocking Abaddon. Mm-hmm. So I went, all right, cool. You're going. <laughs> I ended up having to put something like four missiles into Abaddon in order to get that first save to go away. Because, yay, being Mark of Zinch and all that other wonderful jazz craziness there how big was it it was like eight ten players it was pretty it was... yeah it was 10 people yeah good size for an rtt all right get those practice games in and um i'm actually been going through my bits box and i think i have enough pieces to put together 20 corsairs without having to actually buy a corsairs box so i'm trying to figure out a way to make do like one or two practice models and throw them up there and say like, Hey, does this look like a Corsair to you? But, uh, yeah, I know for, for me, as I've been kind of poking at you guys this afternoon, my, my desecrator is going to be done tonight. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. And then I have all of the trim to do on all of my war dogs. And I'm going to go insane because, ah, spiky bits. <laughs> the bane of every chaos player. All that trim that needs to be painted. Yeah, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Other weird things, one of the goofy uh, chores I had to do this weekend was uh, I was cleaning up some hard drive space on said computer that we're recording on, and I found <laughs> pictures of really? the very wow. first Scorched Earth open. 
Remember the crap bats that we used? Oh my god, they were hilarious. <laughs> so we, it was really cool. It's kind of neat to see the um, different types of armies back then, the different standards of terrain back then. But it was also kind of neat and nostalgic to see everything. So I was like, oh wow, this is pretty cool. Yep. I was not playing around that time, so I have no idea what it looked like. Um, bigger but fewer pieces of terrain. And then, um, so you had big chunky pieces, like huge hills, like everything's back then. It was very, kind of like, um, us open style. Now, you know, big 12 inch blocks of L's as opposed to multiple eight to nine inch pieces. Ah, so that's where a lot of the Imperial outpost terrain came from. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the standard of the day. But uh, anyway, so let's talk about, we're going to talk about probably the most prestigious event of the weekend. And for those of you not familiar, first of all, I'd explain this to my son about this uh, particular event. And then got into a geography lesson of where Gibraltar is. Yes, the Rock of Gibraltar, famous from World War II and even probably earlier uh, Greek mythology, uh, which is in the Argonauts, uh, holds a tournament every year. And it is so selective you have to apply to attend this event because not only do they want the best players, but they also want the best armies. And you actually have to submit a picture of your army and only if they deem it is worthy, can you come to the event? So, and um, the arms that do go there as well as the terrain is just uh, museum quality. It's like dioramas that you're playing on. Not always the most competitive line of sight blocking terrain, but it looks really, really awesome. Yeah, I know there was one year, I think, um, Phil the Glacial Geek, love you, buddy, um, got invited out to an event in Gibraltar. I think it was in like 2020 or 2021 or something. And he took his Dark Angels. Yeah, that's one of those. <laughs> even my son figured out if that event is that cool, it, it might be worth it just to commission paint your army just so you can get to go. <laughs> I would follow that, but I'm also a stubborn little oaf, and I would want to take my own painted army and go, you guys aren't cool enough for my army, man. Exactly. So anyways, take a look at the uh, top five on this particular from, this will be No Retreat 11. So that's true. It's your 11th year running this event. All right. So at fifth place, we have Wame Tugas Munoz with Ulthwe. In fourth place, we have Karen Mahari with Cult Mechanicus. Looks like the beep boop robots have worked their way back. Third place, we have James Hamill. No relation to Mark. Culture. Yeah, yeah no, not relation to Mark Hamill. Second place, we have Polly Wallace with Drukari from the Real Space Raiders, Mr. Really cool podcast if you get a chance to check this out. And Polly's army actually has appeared in White Dwarf. That's how cool it is. And then in first place, we have David Testa with Black Templars. Black Templars? How ironic yep. that Black Te a Templar army made it to Gibraltar to win. <laughs> well, looking at the overall scores, David, he didn't score any game above 90 points. He'd score over 86. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was because of the fact that he just he won every single game because I'm pretty sure he ended up being beating out Polly for, for the top place there. Like if they were doing battle points, obviously David would have tied with James. But I mean, five and zero, oh, that's hard to argue with. Yep. Well, man, again, win by one is still a win. So um, let's take a look at his list. Yep. So it looks like he has they have some kind of really specific strategy or something i don't know 
there's like six stratagems that he has listed in the roster from Battlescribe. I don't I don't get it. But he has a chaplain, he has higher martial Helbrecht, he has fifteen no ten assault intercessors and a unit of infiltrators, a apothecary, a unit of assault centurions. This is interesting because they all have assault launchers, they all have melta guns. Oh, actually, no, only one of them only one of them has assault launchers, and all the rest of them have hurricane bolters. So he couldn't pay all of those points. And then he has the Judiciar, a small unit of Terminators, a couple of minimum units of Vanguard vests with lightning claws, and a chainsword. Doo -doo -doo, and then a single unit of eradicators, all with well, one with the heavy melter rifle, and then two multi melters. You know, it's a nice compact army. Um great to travel with i'd say it gets the you know normally this event isn't considered the most competitive compared to other events but uh i don't know i think this this, this can get it done so yeah it if it wants to crack things it'll crack things for sure because the, the eradicators with all those melts being able to double shoot at something is usually a good sign of hey your night we're we're just gonna kill it and then the the centurions having two up armor save being toughness five being like four wounds apiece with armor of contempt yeah they're bigger and thicker terminators they don't move as fast but yeah I'm just I checking i was gonna look at i was looking at uh, Polly's list and yeah, i don't see it i have to have to actually go to the website it seems to be they're putting some sort of restriction that you only can pick six stratagems to play all weekend, which is a very interesting idea. Yeah, because pulling up Wally's list here, it's he's playing Cabal of the Blackheart and let's see, one patrol. Yeah, no. There I don't second patrol. You want me to and, do it? <laughs> well no, I'm just counting the number of patrols to make sure it's an actual yeah, he's got the triple patrol. Real yeah. yeah, yeah, he does. All right, Mr. Pointy-Ear Man, go. <laughs> yeah, so he's doing the triple patrol uh, raiding party, which is interesting. It's a um, departure. He usually does the real space raid. but um, So three triple uh, the triple patrols. And he's also uh, back with his ever-famous uh, Court of the Archon. So this is uh, three Urgles, two Slith, and a Lamian to help boost their leadership. And it's mostly a deck chair unit to hold down a... Uh, objective in the backfield. He's got a uh, Archon as well as Drazar, unit of Cabalite Warriors, two units of Incubi, and then two units of three Reavers. Interesting. Starting to see that more and more, these three minute, three man units of Reavers. I'm still trying to find a video and see how they're being used. I, I, I'm trying to comprehend how used. Uh, Void Raven Bomber, which is starting to pick up um, more popularity again. Two Raiders and a Venom. Then follow that up with a Cursed Blade uh, Witch Cult Patrol featuring a Succubus, unit of Witches, uh, a unit of Voids, uh, Corsair Voids Guard. I'm curious what he's got. Is he doing? Yeah, he's doing the Wayseeker one. So it's a minimum of five, so it's a little different. Um, what he's doing there is it, he's getting a Psyker, and most likely it's got here Willow Assyrian. I have to double check what that does. I'm pretty sure that's the one where he just, on a five or better, he gets a command point every turn. Unit Mandrakes, which are essential uh, for getting mid-table, uh, especially for those missions where you need the command points. And then two units of five Hellions. And then the third patrol is Covens. Looks like he is going with uh, Artist of the Flesh. So that's the uh, minus one damage one. Moculus, a, who's... Uh, 
super boosted, so you can take the 10 Amoxalites, uh, two of them with liquid fire guns, actually three of them with liquid fire guns, interesting. Unit of racks, two units of racks, and his stratagems he took with him. Agents of Ek, Webway Portal, Lightning Fast Reactions, Never Stationary, Cruel Deception, and then Prey on the Weak. Interesting. So hmm. definitely looking for as many reaction type things, and then Prey on the Weak is essential. Because Takari's shooting really isn't that great, but if you can cause enough damage, you play it out, and then all of a sudden all your assault units are re-rolling ones or re-rolling hits in the close combat phase. Yeah, and looking over the actual entire roster, there are no major, there are no duplicate factions. And I believe they do that for the selection process. I don't remember if this was the event they did that or not. Yeah, because like they do have a lot of different Space Marine factions there. But then again, none of them are the same. So, like, uh, there's, I see an, two Death there's Watch. an Orc Army there. There's some Imperial Guard. There's several Chaos Space Marine factions of different legions. 26. Yeah, 22nd place right, is number yeah. two. There's one Death Watch. And, oh, because mm-hmm. he's listed under just um, Adeptus Astartes. Ah, but this, the, the normal Space Marine one is an Iron Hands successor. So it's not actually Iron Hands. And then Night Lords, Blood Angels. Yeah. Death Watch 22. Yeah. And, but other than that, yeah, no, there's no well, other Death Watch specific Marines. So, yeah, no, it's, it's great to see diversity at event. That's for sure. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extermination Podcast. So rather than going by yourself all the way to Gibraltar, how about Sin City with five of your best friends? So we're going to look at the Vegas Team Tournament. This is by far becoming one of the bigger team events coming up on the docket. And uh, we've got ATC, obviously got the WTC, but uh, the Las Vegas Team Tournament is gradually getting more and more uh, popularity each year. And uh, what's our top five look like there? So, fifth place, we had Team Zero Comp. If you would like to have this one right. Fourth was Imposter Syndrome. Third, Best in Tabletop. Second, Making Saves. And first, Gentleman Gaming. Gentleman Gaming is definitely, that was their strong weekend uh, this weekend. They're the only team to go undefeated. And uh, pretty much that was the theme of the uh, weekend is like a team does really well. They play Gentleman Gaming and lose. And then they come back the next round. And so... It really became the 
who can recover or who can get the most points versus gentlemen gaming to stay in the race uh, for um, the championship. So, yeah, gentlemen gaming, just a quick run through of their team. Give me one sec here. Roster, I got to flip over to here. Yep, and it does it alphabetically, so it's easier to figure out. So, the roster of gentlemen gaming is we're going to do it from easiest name. So, we have TJ Lanigan we have, with um, Thousand Sons, which he's been playing all season. We have Elliot Levy with Necrons. We have Thomas Ogden with his Tau. Then we have Brad Chester with Oscar Yanni. And then a name I've not seen before of Alan Bajramovic with Demons. Gentleman Gaming was the first. This specific team was what the one of two Smite Club teams that went there got paired into round one. And it was just a rough time. A very rough time. Yeah, I could give them credit because they were able to bounce back for a very strong showing throughout the weekend. Um, so they end up coming in seventh place. They only lost one other round the whole weekend. Uh, so that'd be Cyclop Project Mayhem. Uh, Cyclop Vegas uh, Vacation also went four and two on the weekend, finishing 10th. So overall, um, Arizona really representing well because making saves who came in second. Also from the Phoenix area, so three of our teams um, made it to the top ten, which was pretty nice to see. Yep, so more people should come <laughs> to, like, Scorched Earth Open and stuff, which is going to happen in February of next year. Indeed, yeah, we're definitely making a name for ourselves in the meta. Uh, Rex from California and a few Arizona players coming in 17th. Uh, Zeno's Petting Zoo uh, coming in, I believe that's 14th. My God, they can make these letters any smaller. Um and yeah, that, that is 14th for Xeno Spending Zoo. Thank you. And best in tabletop is Colin Sherman's team. Team Zero Comp making a, a rare appearance. They're finally nice to see them back on the back on the tournament circuit, coming in fifth. Team Mark is actually the a lot of the uh, old um, Beast Coast team members back together again, kind of a re- reunion. So it's nice to see that list again as well. Yeah. I will give one shout out to the team that came in dead last of Fellowship of Friends. They only won one round, and that was round four, but (laughs) they must have just been there for a good time. Not a whole lot of practice for them, because I believe they were the team that Project Mayhem for us Smite Club guys got paired into in round two, and it was a 100 to zero differential score across the board. If I remember right, some of those guys in that team, it was like their first tournament ever. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give them a good old shout out of getting the wooden spoon of the event and but being there for the entire event. Yeah, so nice job, guys. Appreciate it. And also nice job to our uh, Smite Club teammates. Uh, Really good showing there. All combined four and two football teams. So good practice and uh, look forward to... um, See you guys back on the single circuit again. So, yep, they can all come kick our butts back in the local events. Yay! <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, little RTT was just like <gasps> they're all the top eight players are not here. Quick, take advantage of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, then I do think we make a hop, skip, and a jump to I believe Kansas, Wichita, to be specific. There's no place I come. There's no place. Ah, oh, God, flying monkeys. Indeed, Fly Monkey Con. So uh, nice to see this. I, I, 
Uh, new uh, tournament organizers, BAM is uh, no longer running the event, but uh, nonetheless, a huge showing for this particular event. It's one of the staples of the Midwest Tournament and the Lord Marshall Series. What's our top five look like this year? All right, so our top fives are Tyler DeVries with Necrons. See him back. Fourth, fourth place, we have James Kelling with Osiriani. In third place, we have Nathaniel Bjorge with Necrons. <laughs> In second place, we have Ryan Verbeck with Tyranids. And then I know this is going to make a certain mark that we know here personally. Very, very happy. Dan Salmon's winning Flying Monkey Con with Imperial Here's Knights. This looks like. Insane. <laughs> uh, so let's take a look at it. All right. So from rattling the brain of Mark follows enough. I have a rough understanding of what's going on. And yes, this is exactly what the heck is going on. These are all free blade knights. So it's an entire essay of rules. Nothing but the, if I, if I'm remembering right, the Moirax, that's the, um, forge rule. That's a, that's a Questorus size, correct? That's all. That's what I get for second. No, the Moirax is an armager with the no, test. it's all armagers, and I'm like, wait, I don't remember if the Moirax is the bigger one or not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep, there it is. Uh, it's almost all armagers because he does have a single knight errant. So, this is definitely something that Chaos Knights have also been doing, where it's a, essentially a one ten list where you have ten war, you have ten armagers and one big knight, but this one is. Ob- is really really obnoxious because the two oaths that he has of defend the realm and Lalo the tyrants defend the oaths I forget what that part does but I know Lalo the tyrants gives you a free reroll <laughs> um, and then some of the other ones like there's the the strike and shield warglaves those ones are like transhuman armagers and whatnot, and it's really really obnoxious um, he has a Helvrin with in the Hunters of Beasts unit that has the the beep beep helm that essentially makes it so that way that armager can never benefit from a bondsman ability, which is the bone which is given off of the knight errant. Instead, he can he gets a plus one to wound against everything, and he can also hand out another bondsman ability or something like that from himself to other armagers it's there's a whole bunch of really wacky stuff that goes in here and i know mark follows has been tinkering around with this and with this really crazy idea and it's just so much that goes on for an army that has 10 models and it's got like 11 pages of rules <laughs> i mean to be fair it is um it is meant to be a little bit of a creative thing because you have the knight errant which i forget what buff he gives out for his bond but the essentially he has it made it so he has it that way because this thing has a thermal cannon and a reaper chain sword it's the equivalent of the knight desecrator where it's made to crack really big things and hopefully do it really well in fact i'm pretty sure it does it better because it has twice as many freaking shots as the desecrator does but the the Armagers are the main part of that army because obviously they're obsec and they just run forward and go boop all the buttons and hold all the things. And if your opponent gets stuck in the wrong one, if I may real quick. like the strike and shield so ones, the bonds they're going to be stuck there all game. The errant is add one to advance yes. and charge rolls for armagers. All right, and so you make them even faster. <laughs> yeah, so it's 
very refreshing because I know we've seen Chaos Knights perform really well. We've seen Necrons performing well, Sisters doing really good. And then just out of nowhere, by the way, slap, there's an Imperial Knight army. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Quick shout out a little further down to the rankings. Tony Tebow, he's been a longtime friend of the shows. We also know him as a Harlequins player. He decided to dip his toe into the uh, Chaos Space Marines and going three and three on the weekend. And he actually brought Night Lords, which I thought was an interesting list. Uh, Demon Prince, Master Possession, Sorcerer and Terminator armor, followed by a group of cultists, two units of legionnaires, a bunch of noise marines, a bunch of bikes, a bunch of raptors, a dreadclaw, a bunch of havocs, and two helldrakes. Yep. And also, the one of the few people that I got to meet out in Dallas when I was there earlier this year, Mr. Talon Rooney. He's been a long time. He's been following us for most of the year and it was a pleasure to meet him. He's still on Gene Steeler Cold going three and three. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so congratulations to him for getting a perfect 50-50 record and finishing in 41st because his wins were huge. 97, 91, 94, and his lowest loss was only a 69. So there's probably something there in Gene Steeler Cold and no one wants to even bother trying to figure it out. I've been hearing that a lot, and I don't remember if it was the secondaries or just their ability just to mess with people. Probably a little bit of both. So it's it's still one of those armies I'm still trying to figure. I, I still cannot to this day figure out the crossfire role. Like, what now? What's going on? Okay, you're, you're getting bonuses to hit me. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> yep. And also a name that I've heard pop up in the history books, um, Matt Root. Wasn't he originally like an orc person? That was the orc player. He's a defending ITC champion, and I believe he's won the Flying Monkey Con. I know he's won the Lord Marshal uh, tournament last year. What is Dr. Root up to? Um, bugs. Uh, what have you done, Matthew? Oh, well, no. Instead of playing Leviathan, he is playing Jormungandr, so he's still Jumanji. big. <laughs> yes, in fact, Jumanji. So... From the looks of it, it's it is still walk of the big bugs because from the looks of it, I think he was drunk when he made this. What the hell is in this list? <laughs> a walking hive tyrant, old one eye, some gargoyles, zone thropes. Zone thropes are nutty. A tyrant effects, um, a neurothrope, a flying hive tyrant, gargoyles. Car- Literally, he's just here's my two up armor save bugs. I believe Matt Root is actually uh considered the architect of the original Flyrant. You know, but before the rule of three, um, Robert, you missed out on this terror. Um, something like five high flying hive tyrants on the table. I thought the magic number was seven. Might be, but back then there was no rule of three, so it was some ridiculous amount. And you just pray that you found a Skyfire Nexus so your units could take them out. And also I know a certain one of us cough cough Don Hoosen Piper's crawlers. <laughs> Yeah, that was a fun list, too. <laughs> but anyway, congrats to all the participants and Mr. Dan Salmon's winning Flying Monkey Con. I've heard several things about it. I've considered maybe going to Flying Monkey Con because it usually happens in like the middle of the year. But, I mean, it's in Kansas. I know nothing about Kansas. So it's not like I can just fly out there and go, oh, yeah, no, I know great places out here. No, I'm literally living in a hotel. <laughs> I'm going to the event and I'm going home. <laughs> That's all I am doing. Yep. 
But otherwise, that I think that's all the events that we have this week, Eric. That's enough for this weekend. So let's go over the uh, ITC Top 10. And yes, I finally have updated the expanded standings. I will be posting that later this week. So uh, in 10th place, uh, Brenton Weiss. Uh, ninth place, Colin McDade with his big win last weekend. Stephen Crawley crawls his way to the 8th spot. Ennis Wilson drops his 7th. Thomas Ogden uh, in 6th. Manny Chima in 5th. Excuse me, 4th. Uh, excuse me, I can count. Vic Vijay in 3rd. David Gaylord in 2nd. Jack Harpster hanging on to the top spot. And um, very interesting standpoint, though. If you look at Thomas Ogden, he is having a season. Uh, if you just look at his GT and major events, not counting team events, he is 48 and 1, 88% of the time of his events. So, all but one, he was in a position to win the event. And when he does actually lose an event, it usually is until round seven. Yeah. Like, for instance, we go to his record with Adepticon where he finished in third. That's his, not including the ATC. Um, that is his lowest finishing spot. I have not seen this many ones on a placing record since, I don't know, Jim Vessel winning like a whole bunch of events back-to-back or something Either like that. Either Jim or um, Pajama Pants there, Alan, when he won the ITC title. So yeah, Thomas leads the pack with seven uh, tournament wins. Cut off again. Yeah, but at that point, I think it was more of a software issue. Mm. Here, so, Yay, Vonta on Ramblings. Uh, I don't know if you've if it's come to your attention yet, but there were actually at least two events that allowed for the playing of the Leagues of OTAN this weekend, even though they literally just came out this weekend. (laughs) Yes, I am aware of that. And it is these people decided to jump on the gravy train of so these guys are not new new to doing well in tournaments. Uh, Both of them have a fair amount of first and second places so we can't blame we, we can't just try to blame the faction on how well they did yeah let's see this one. yeah like looking at adam adam napier he's mostly been playing tau this year he has a couple of games with harlequins and then he has some chaos space marines and then yeah no his little rtt he won with lisa votan and then shane watts <laughs> all right a lot of sisters and then he came in second at his RTT, and I believe Yorani Surter is the bonus toughness one. <laughs> Phone, tell me your secrets, because I don't remember off the top of my head. I know one of them, I, I believe it yes. is Yorani who gives a bonus toughness, which I think is really silly because you can have tough, toughness six Terminators and a toughness nine land fortress when they come out. And the... And Adam was playing um, Greater Thurian League, so having access right. to the special character, <laughs> getting all of the angry also, it's tokens. Interesting in the, in the, and by in all of them, case, I mean uh, all of them. They allowed <laughs> him to play with proxies for models that haven't been released yet. Oh, so it was one of those things where it was the brand new book, and because the brand new book exists, as long as the TO approved it, then yes. Okay. Yes. So that makes sense. Right so. Here. Any idea what his list was so looking like in Greater Three? He brought Uther the Destined as his warlord and paid for the warlord trait because it's a warlord trait worth his CP. Uh-huh. He brought a Grimnir with the relic called the Murmuring Staff. He brought the Broker Forge Master and made it the Master Armor and paid another CP for 
a relic called the um, Vol- Volum's Master Artifice, three ten-man squads of Hearthkin warriors. Each one is equipped uh, exactly the same with the Magnarel rifle, Medipack, comms array, and the Spectral Scanner. Then two five-man Chthonian Berserker squads with four concussion mauls and one heavy plasma axe. Then a squad of seven Einherr Hearthguard, the Volcanite Disintegrators, five plasma blade gauntlets, one concussion gauntlet, and he gives the Hesir, which is essentially the sergeant, the Teleport Crest Concussion Gauntlet, and the Vulcanite Disintegrator. And he also paid an extra CP because they do have a strat to allow for the champion of a unit to receive a relic. Warp Strike. So he gave him (laughs) the Warp Strike, which is... Yeah, Yeah, there's a little unlaut above the A, so I was like, do we read it really weird? But anyway, no. So that unit of Terminators, they make a normal move or advance or fall back Basically, if they move at all outside of piling in and consolidating, you can make that unit walk. Well, you can make the champion walk through models. And yes, that's yes, that's really neat because you can have that champion end up in funny places that way. And then once per battle, you can use the the site to site transport strat for free. And also when they're on the table, they have the same thing as the infiltrator bubble where you can't land within 12 of the unit that model belongs in. So because he has seven of them, you string them out kind of far. And that's a humongous bubble of your demons can't land here. Your your, sang- your sanguinary guard can't come down here. Seven, he still has to have. Um, yeah. Two to two, yeah. And, I mean, it's not that hard to be two to two and still be able to spread out. It does take a little bit of <laughs> jibber-jabber, but, I mean, otherwise, the I know in the initial list that I made, I decided to delete it and restart it from scratch because, yay, not actually having the faction yet. The, the Volkite Disintegrators are incredible with the Hearthguard because of the fact that you're obviously they're Volkite, so they just go whole bunch of mortal wounds on sixes and everything like that. And sure, they don't have X, they don't have AP on the actual to wound roll, but because the six inflicts a mortal wound on an unmodified hit roll of six, then cool. If you throw if you throw them at a unit with one or two judgment tokens, okay, your fives and sixes automatically wound but your sixes turn into mortal wounds and each disintegrator is three shots. So that's 21 shots that hit on threes and you don't care about the AP because whatever you don't kill with mortal wounds, you're just going to charge yeah. these things in there and hit them on the head with strength eight. You know, uh, the, um, the hearth guard are a unit. I am excited to get my hands on when they come out. So, and actually yes. reading more into it, he does the, the plasma blade yeah. gauntlets. Uh, that was not effectively all for his list. He also had that unit, three so. units of the Urinkin Pioneers, two six-man units, and one three-man. Each squad had at least one 
Hylaz mm-hmm. Rotary Cannon. The six man squads had two. Uh, each had the comms array mm-hmm. and the roll bar searchlights. And the two large squads also had the pan spectral scanner. Yep. And welcome back, Eric. You get to you you get to listen to us grumble and grumble about grumbling about dwarves. Well, and as I was just discussing, it's all the the TO also allowed him to proxy models that have not been released yet. Yeah. We have a vague idea, but that, that that's about it. Yeah, no. Um, I think one of the best examples of how little we really know is uh, when I was seeing the pictures of the models, I was expecting them to be on 32s or actually more likely 40 mil bases. But, I mean, the the um, Hearthguard Warriors, the troops, they come on 28s. Yeah, in fact, the only two models in the box set that come on 40s are the uh, Call and the Einherr Champion. Yeah, so also to give you an idea of exactly how many models he would have, this guy would have to proxy, again, no no judgment on proxy, because sometimes he is a, you use a beer koozie to make yeah. a mech gun. I remember that story. That was fun. But this this man has fifteen. Well, I mean, Hernkin pioneers I mean, in his out. list. So it is at least possible he did get his one way or another. He might have he might have had some and then borrowed the rest. They're out. Those models are out. So he could have actually had those physical models, but that doesn't change the fact that he yeah. did, in fact, have to proxy. 18 other models. Yeah. the I know there's been kind of joking rumbles on the internet that someone, at least here in the Valley, I think, was going to make an entire unit of the Einherr Hearthguard, so the Terminators, out of the Einherr Champion. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a fun little, like, ha, you know how many boxes you're going to have to fight to get an Einherr Champion for a 10-man unit? Jesus Christ. But, no, nah, it's... Now that we've seen them kind of pop up in the wild, the the one thing I want to know is the what. So his, if you'll tell me what armies he was playing for each of his rounds here, Ray. Round one, he was against <laughs> Philip Maybe. Wessels. Okay, so and he was, was playing Philip Black playing? Templars with Inquisitor Inquisitor eh. Grayfax. Okay. Yep, James Mann. Okay. And then round brought, two, he was against James Mann. Uh, so he brought knights. Ooh, okay. And then his last one was against Michael Wood with Necrons, because Necron uh, Michael Wood finished fourth, so that was his last round. So, yeah, he scored a perfect hundred against the Knights player. Yeah, and that Knights, the, the I'm sorry, that Necron list was a ton of scarabs and race. So, I mean, it's not really the kind of list I would expect a decent infantry list to have a problem with, especially if you're a, an army that can utilize a fair any kind of fair number of mortal wound shenanigans. Well, I think the big thing that prevented the Necron matchup from actually working and getting to the Votan and just killing them was the fact that the Magrails ignore invulnerable saves. So any save on the Wraith just basically kills it. And if you were to tick it over into a six on the big uh, mag rail gun off of the land fortress, that is 2d3 plus six damage that spills over. That is four wraiths instantly dead. And if you only have a unit of four, you don't get to reanimate off of that. On top of all the other guns that that land fortress has. But 
obviously these were just RTTs and two players that were able to play them. So maybe in the next coming months, we'll see Votan actually starting yes. to pull into we'll the good, realm of normal idea competitive of play. how they are in general, not just being piloted by two people who are already fairly well at the game. Yeah. But otherwise, our short little grumble, <laughs> grumble segment, which hopefully stays in the episode because Eric likes us, right? Right? You're, you're not going to throw us into the gladiatorial pits in Kimura? <laughs> yeah, some kind of really rough small number like that. Yeah. The, the one bit of the lore that I was actually able to read and go, wow, that's really neat. They're an entire race of clones. So the clones, they, they pick their first name, but then their second name is in reference to like their creator or something like that. And it's just a, I go, Oh, okay. This is a really neat concept and they can all change their name at any time that they want. Yeah. No, that surprised me. Cause you're talking about as if the unit inside the open top vehicle is the one that killed it. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting rules conundrum. Um, there is some, it's specifically on the land fortress and it's you, like, single shot weapon like you fire and forget it. it's like a hundred killer missile kind of deal at least from reading it once i'll have to read it more to actually nail it but otherwise yeah the we'll see exactly what comes of the leagues of otan stepping into the wild which i may <coughs> may not build a 2000 point list and play that in concurrence with chaos knights next season Um, Probably not for Votan because they're a brand spanking new faction, but I do think for other factions, we might get new stuff because I know the big rumor is primary terminators, which I would argue are just aggressors. But yeah, Um, we could see potentially new like new Necron troop units outside of Immortals and Warriors. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we could theorize, but well, you know, no, I don't you, think Votan specifically are going to get any for, new models well, for, added to the off, range. Just because next year. we get the new edition next year doesn't mean that the um that the leagues are going to are going to come out that same year. I mean, for all we know, to an ex- to some extent, this codex may be sent may be built with tents in mind. Um, but I wouldn't count out the idea of them getting more models, and I'm going to use as evidence of that the Gene Sealer cult. Gene Sealer Cult came out in um, 8th edition. If it notes, 7th edition. And then in 8th edition, seventh edition, they got more models. Oh, again, it's. I have very limited view on what will happen. Because, I mean, this is my first brand new faction introduction to the game since I started with Necrons in 8th in edition. So whether or not they get new units, no, they don't. Could very well happen. They would have to be you, driven you, by you, the narrative. You weren't around in sixth edition. Trust me. No, they don't. Uh, <laughs> They'll again, figure something out. <laughs> blind optimism. <laughs> blind optimism. But yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting that if a new if a new edition drops in July, we will then have to figure out on whether or not the new mission pack that we're supposed to be getting in January or February, if we're actually following the exact schedule, will carry over into that book unless they go, oh, the new well, competitive I mean, missions honest, are the uh, missions if, out of the core rule so book. So if they release Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. the, if they release the um, new GT book in February, then honestly, by July, they can just release a new one 
with the new edition and it'd be about the right time for it. Yeah, but that that kind of weird wiggle room where the possibility of only playing mission like core rulebook missions for let's say two months. But we'll just have to see. I I've stopped speculating on anything Warhammer related for like the last four months. Yeah, I wouldn't even bother. Just, I want to play it. my game. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to be all doom and gloom with the internet. No, but then again, they got merged back into the craft world book. Yep. Because let's wait until the new book comes out to release all the new model range, shall we? But otherwise, I think that's about it for for our event coverage, because I know you were going through the expanded stats before. 